Greetings, lovely listeners. You are listening to Saga, a podcast where a dude and a chick discuss art and animation. Thanks for listening to the Saga podcast. This is the month of Miyazaki episode four. But uh, before we get into more Miyazaki movies, we will be going over the news. It's a big news week. And our first news story, there's a live action Lupin the Third movie. It's supposed to be coming out uh, December of 2019. Very interesting. Very cool. It's It's completely CG. And what's cool about this is that they're planning on making it um, making it closer to the to it to its like source um, so it's not like the cat the castle of Cag, Cag, of Cagliostro which is Miyazaki's take which is a little more whimsical and lighthearted they're making it a bit more like raunchy and gritty like its source so that's interesting um, Definitely go check the, the trailer out. We'll be having that on our website, uh, uh, podsaga.com. So check that out. And our second news story. Uh, the 666th episode of The Simpsons. Uh, they will be doing like a Stranger Things uh, with like a Shape of Water subplot, which sounds pretty cool. Um, and I'm surprised that, that they're only on the 666th episode. Because I feel like they they've been that they've been in the 600s like four years ago but haven't they like aren't they on the thousands like i thought they were hit like a like episode a thousand or something uh i i i guess not they're on 666 okay hail satan take their word for it i guess (laughs) um right so uh in a third news story which is sort of an update from last week's news story uh about the akira live action movie uh, th- that's being directed by Taika, by Taika Watiti. Apparently, that won't be happening. He is dropping out, quote unquote, temporarily for uh, Thor four. Uh, so, if you're excited for that, then you have something t- to look forward to. But unfortunately, uh, the film is on indefinite is on indefinite hold. So, um, yeah, there's no news on a live action Akira in the near future. So, it sucks. I think like Thor four is really just Guardians of the Galaxies two. Why? Well, what do you mean? Like, like because because Thor three was like was kind of like Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. 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 I think so. Yeah, probably. <laughs> and in our next new, new story, it, it's a very tragic. Um, I'm sure most of you have heard of this by now, but the Kyoto Animation Studio uh, it was hit by an arson attack, leaving. 33 dead and 36 injured, 10 of which are in critical condition. The identity of the assailant has been, has been, uh, I keep forgetting the word, has been introduced, not uh, available, has been released to the public. There we go. <laughs> he, who is 41-year-old Shinji Aoba. Uh, this man spent about three and a half years in prison for robbing a convenience store in 2012 he uh yeah so they so 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 they found him with like burns on his hands and feet and chest but he was still alive right yeah because yeah so what so what happened was he walked in 
uh, screaming, you die. And he had like containers of gasoline and he poured it and he poured around the front entrance of the studio. So basically no one could, could leave uh, without passing through the fire. So he, so he had a lighter and lit the fire. And they're saying that, that the place like quickly engulfed, engulfed in flame. Yeah. yeah, it was engulfed in, in flames. So, uh, yeah, so he quickly left uh, with minor burns and yeah like it it's it's insane be- because there were apparently only about 70 people in the building and and like I said about 33 died 36 injured so it's it was a pretty tragic um pretty tragic uh incident that happened it but sounds like the have... guy just had like some mental issues right yeah that's that's what I was about to mention we have a somewhat motive so apparently uh he believes or or it's believed that it was a grudge the man be believed that uh kyoto animation stole novels uh maybe one of his novels that that he that he he wrote and wasn't credited for um and apparently like these types of revenge killings are on the rise um on the rise in japan because um yeah like they're saying that basically a lot of uh um uh like socially ostracized people are like like the uh, people that that were like thrown like that were thrown thrown away were are basically taking a stand now for for some reason and you know there have been several stabbings and arson attacks and, and like poisonings and things like that um which is unfortunate to hear uh are you f- f- familiar with the uh they're called like japanese her- uh herbivore men Mm-mm. no uh so from what i understand is that is that young men are like um are there like, like incels here in America? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, and it's crazy because uh, you know, like, like their birth rates are like really dropping. Like, like there are more old folks there than there are like babies. Uh, so their replacement levels are are like so are like slowly um, going down. Uh, so because people aren't having sex or what? Um. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, that's part of it. Like, um, so they're so they're more traditional than the West is. So right. they kind of want uh, more. So the women kind of want more of the provider, you know, type that makes over a certain amount of money. Mm. And you know, uh, I guess like certain guys feel that they can't compete and at that on top of the high suicide rates over there and it's just a mess um so they're incels well not not incels are the incels aren't the only ones to kill themselves like Mm. like the suicide rate is just high like people are really overworked there period yeah stressed out yeah Okay. And I feel like we went from a sad story to it, even sadder stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, I mean, there is good that has come out of this. Um, they did have a GoFundMe that was um, backed like tenfold. Um, like several, like the day it happened, they started a GoFundMe, and they only were only asking seven hundred fifty thousand to help out the families and to help out with the studio to get it redone, like revamped, and they made over a hundred and seventy-eight thousand. Um, or I'm sorry, one million seven hundred eighty thousand um, dollars, and we helped donate to that too. So um, every dollar, every dollar counts. So hopefully, things get back to the way they were. You know, I mean, despite having lost thirty-three people. Mm-hmm. But on lighter news, so we do have two trailers that have come out in the past couple of days since. Uh, Thursday. So Rick and Morty season four preview called Gluty just premiered on Adult Swim's channel on YouTube. So please check it out. It's funny. It's actually got Taika Watiti in it, which is another thing to throw Taika into. As well as uh, Jendi Tartakovsky's new show, Primal, who directed the Samurai Jack series back when we were kids. So Please, please, please check this one out. This one looks sick. It looks so good. And it's honestly very violent. So don't think it's going to be anything like Samurai Jack. It's not going to be calm. I believe it's going to be very primal. Before we get into the main event, we do have a couple of things that I wanted to mention. Um, Things that I forgot to mention in previous shows. Um, So... Akimi Ota Miyazaki, or, um, yeah, she is Miyazaki's wife. Um, she's like, like two or three years older than, than him. Uh, they were, they've been married since 1956. And she's an animator that has also worked on Nausicaa and Totoro. So that's pretty neat. Also, there is a short, among many shorts, which are exclusive to the Ghibli museum uh, which is unfortunate because um because a couple years ago there was the borrow the caterpillar which was like getting a lot of headlines and i thought that was like another feature film but apparently it was just a short exclusive to this place Um, but yeah so in two in 2003 there was or is a a 13 minute short called May and the Kitten Bus, which serves as a sort of sequel to My Neighbor Totoro, which is pretty neat. Um, So if you're ever in Japan, go to the museum and let us know how it was. Maybe like take your camera out and film it for us. (laughs) Yeah, because we can't go see it. Yeah. That's one thing you should have done when you were in Japan a couple years ago. Oh no! It wasn't existed. It didn't exist during that time, it, did it? It did. It didn't. What? What didn't exist? The museum. The Ghibli Museum. Yeah. Are you sure? I don't think so. I don't know. Anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, if if you want us to like do a documentary and like um, film the museum, like you know, support us on paypal or patreon or something just send us money please yeah. <laughs> actually just oh. listen to our podcast <laughs> anyway let's go on to princess mononoke spoiler alert this audio may contain spoilers so please proceed with caution 
or an open mind. I don't care. Prince Asitaka lives in a small village that is attacked by a demon. When he attempts to stop the beast, he is struck by a curse that will inevitably kill him. The wise woman of the town exiles him to the west, where he must find a means of redeeming himself or die alone in agony. His travels led him to a town where he meets a priest who explains the existence of a forbidden forest where the spirit god hails that might lift his curse. On his way to see the spirit god, he comes across two wounded men of Iron Town that had just experienced a battle with the giant wolf mother, Moro's cubs, and a young girl who is a human with a soul of a wolf by the name of Princess Mononoke. Ashitaka takes the men back to Irontown, where he learns more about the mysterious princess, makes it his mission, find her, and the cause of the demon who entered his village. The leader of Irontown, Lady Iboshi, the queen of the lepers and prostitutes in Iron Town exposes her secret to killing the gods of the forest and of taking over the land. Guns. When the princess Mononoke attempts to assassinate Lady Eboshi for her misdeeds against the forest gods, Ashitaka stops the fight and returns the princess to her lands. A battle ensues between the three factions the forest gods, the Iron Town workers, and those working for the Emperor who ambush Iron Town to take it over. It is Lady Eboshi's mission to kill the spirit of the forest and rule the lands as her own. She has sadly overlooked the power of the spirit of the forest and the bond between Ashitaka and Princess Mononoke. Wow, that 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 sounded like you that that like you were reading a like a like a storybook. Like it's very good. Thank you. I'm trying. I'm trying to do it something like that. Like, it sounds better. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, nobody fell asleep during that. Anyway, so this is an interesting film, and I feel like maybe I should probably talk about the history of the film before I go into like my initial thoughts because there's a lot going into this. Um, so, monster Princess Mononoke translates directly to monster prin monster princess. Um, and the movie takes place in late Muromachi period between 1336 and 1537 Japan, but was released on July 12th, 1997, um, in Japan. Two years later, it was released in the United States. It was the highest grossing film in Japan of 1997, and this was, um the reason that Ghibli film Ghibli studios became so well known in the United States is because of this movie. Um, so Miyazaki started the sketching for this film back in the 1970s. And he had like a huge amount of like writers slash artists block before he even started working on this film in 1994. And um, he took kind of a break to work on like a music video project. And that kind of allowed him to step away for a short amount of time and then come back to work on this project with fresh eyes. Um, when he finally was able to start the process, they took the animators to a background um, and a bunch of background artists and the directors to um, work on scouting locations in the northern Honshu, Japan for three days. And there's a bunch of pictures I've got in my notes about um, like pictures of the actual locations that maybe they traveled. And you can kind of tell if you look up Han northern Honshu, Japan and some of these regions um, just how beautiful and extravagant these era these areas are and how probably how much they influenced 
the drawings and the sketch of Princess Mononoke. I mean, there's a couple of pictures I've got here that kind of resemble Iron Town. There's a couple of pictures that um, resemble the mountains and the forest that maybe Princess Mononoke would travel. Um, it's very mountainous. <clears throat> there were over 144,000 cells that Miyazaki and his team made. Um, the budget was 2.35 billion yen, which approximately translates to 23.5 million dollars, but grossed 160 million dollars plus worldwide, which is even better. Um, so it was mostly hand drawn, but does have some computer animation using some traditional, um, you know, cell style animation with traditional paint. Uh, the movie provided for the push of digital animation studio in the in, of the digital aspect in the Ghibli studio. Like this was the first film that they were like, okay, give us some computers and we can do this a little bit faster. So they decided on two different titles for the movie, one being Princess Mononoke, and then the other one being the story of Ashitaka. Um, and Miyazaki had to create a new kanji or a Japanese character to form the title of Princess Mononoke. So obviously they picked Princess Mononoke. Uh, the film ended up winning nine different movie awards and being nominated for two different ones. It was also the first Ghibli film to have a stage adaption, which was produced in 2012 and had a great success in both London and Japan and sold out every show in London. So this has got such an influence over Japan and over the United States. So like with that in mind, um, there's a couple of stuff that like, I, I don't know if it's criticism because there was very little to criticize about this movie. Unlike a lot of his earlier films, we were giving him a lot of flack because they were maybe ill-directed or like didn't have much of a plot, but this is... Um, one of his best films and it flows beautifully. It doesn't seem to be like um, schizophrenic in some areas. It just is. And it has a lot of lore, Japanese lore. has a lot of um, history to it. So, um, I mean, especially when it comes to talking about the demons. So one of the major things in this film is when they talk about um, going to the West, so a lot of movies have done this as a means of kind of hinting at the West as like America and or, you know, Europe or something like that and saying that the influence on of the West is hurting the lands. I don't know if there's any specific tie. I don't know if there's a like there. I didn't do the research to say whether or not Miyazaki led it that way. But during this time, everything was about who was had more influence over who and the technology the guns the western style themes in this movie made me believe that it was more like western culture like united states or europe one of those two right uh there was like some sort of like quote or something that i can't quite remember but uh it's something like um well actually i'm not even sure if it's a quote or not but it's like a, a philosophy where like the West, um, I wish I could remember it because it was like profound, but basically um, the West, they uh, like the, the, the West uh, believes that the, that nature is like made for them. And then the East is like 
is like uh like we are at nature's mercy and 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 we should be grateful to it and and only take what's needed uh that's exactly it yeah and that whole battle um in that um kind of friction is what moves the plot along in this whole movie that's the entire plot is um new versus old ways of thinking and i didn't realize and i I, thing is is like i've seen this movie before but i didn't realize how violent this film was (laughs) ashitaka in the first cut scene he gets his arm cursed and the curse makes him extraordinarily strong stronger than 10 20 men and when he uses his arrows to shoot, it literally shoots off people's heads. Like, <laughs> doink. Shoots off their arms. Doink. And I'm playing this at my place of work because it's got a really big screen. I'm very lucky. <laughs> it's got like a movie style screen. And I have to worry about kids entering or my coworkers seeing what I'm doing. <laughs> because if they see that there's like this violent, like, oh my gosh, this guy just lost his head. They can't be shown. Like, I work in a very religious atmosphere. I'm not religious myself, but I work in a religious atmosphere. And if they saw that, they'd be like, I'm sorry, Sarah, but you're never allowed to show that again. (laughs) So that was one major thing that just, oh my goodness. Um, I mean, there's a lot of other symbolisms in this as well. When Ashitaka cuts his hair, that's a huge symbol of defeat. They exile him. Um as a symbol of defeat. Um, so another thing too is when the demons, when the gods become demons there, it seems to me that there is like this sense of curse, but what is a curse might also be like a disease. And they end up finding a, an iron ore stuck inside the first demon. It's huge. And so to me that says, this this pig is diseased and so it's it's like a primitive way of looking at something and saying oh there's a demon inside him you know it's like we used to think that there were there were demons inside us when we sneezed so every time we sneezed we would say bless you because there's a demon exiting your face but it's not the case so you know a lot of people would say like say for example um when before we really studied weather. We would look at tornadoes and say, oh, it's God. God is punishing us. But that's not the case. And so people would blame something. They would blame an extraterrestrial thing or some sort of um, phenomenal thing that would maybe kind of wish it away or just kind of explain it away. So do you think that there's some kind of like theme going with that pig and the workers with like uh what did they have the uh like a plague of some sort you think there so was they a, had leprosy. leprosy that's what it is leper lepers do you think there's like some sort of like theme with that uh, they or, never really explained exactly where the lepers came from and like you know it seemed like lady aboshi had this very down-to-earth you know a western ideal she had a very western ideal about the lepers she said you know it's not their fault that they're lepers they can't control it you know they shouldn't be punished for it so she took them in and she let them have homes and she gave them work because nobody else would 
So instead of exiling them, like for example, exiling Ashitaka for having a cursed arm, you know, maybe he's a leper now, but <laughs> like, I don't know. It's one of those things that's like, West, you know, I, I don't think either of them was right. And Ashitaka plays this role in the film of, you know, why can't we just get along? So he is the, the bridge between the West and the East and hoping that everybody can get along. And, and I see you haven't really mentioned the title character much. Why is that? Son? Yeah, you haven't mentioned her at all. Well, to be honest, it to me it wasn't really about San. Exactly. Um, it was about <laughs> Ashitaka. <laughs> so San is Princess Mononoke. She is the wolf-souled human that lives with the gods of the forest, and they have taken her soul and they had made her one. But she is a warrior. So she and Lady Aboshi are neck and neck. They are trying to kill each other because this is what they do. They protect them, their village. They protect themselves. Um, I see them both as protagonists and antagonists. Um, they are both two sides of the same coin. And it's just Ashitaka that leads to the peace in the land. Mm-hmm. Um, so like just thoughts, general thoughts or ideas? That's pretty much it. Um, there is a an aspect in the end when the spirit of the forest kind of becomes this giant spirit and he lets out all of his arms to flow over the land to take this take the essence out of everything and to take all the life out of everything and it reminds me of volcanoes so little bit of about Japan. Most of you probably know this, but they are also in the ring of fire and are very, very active. I mean, they have two volcanoes like right on the island, uh, the main island of Japan. So I think it's probably more than one. Like they have like Hiroshima and then like... Um, Nagasaki? No. Is Nagasaki? No, that's not it. Um, they, they, anyway, they've got active volcanoes in that region and it reminded me of that and it just took everything it just devastated everything so there is a lot of symbolism in that kind of leading into volcanoes um and i think that's one big thing because in the end everything is reborn there's more plant life than ever um and then ashitaka and san just go their separate ways they're they kind of play on the idea that there might be love interest there but in the end it can't be they just can't you know, I'm really glad that Miyazaki doesn't do like the, you know, like the cliche, like the two main characters have to like fall in love and, you know, do that thing. I'm glad that, that he does something different for most of his movies. Right. But um, exactly. Uh, I think with these two movies, Mononoke and Spirited Away, uh, there's like a theme of like the, the supernatural slash nature, like... It can't be bargained with, right? Like it's just a force that that it that you're pretty much at its whim, its mercy, and I think that's pretty cool. Like you can't always just like power through through something. You just have to like just um, submit, I guess. Yep. Sometimes things are bigger than we know, and a lot of people blame God or they blame spirits or they blame this, but sometimes it's unexplainable. But 
you know, thankfully we have Miyazaki to give an explanation to it. Also, one more thing. Um, when you mentioned that that you forgot how violent this movie was, it's funny that you would say that uh, because when he was done with Porco Rosso, he was like, uh, he like he he wasn't satisfied with the movie because he thought it was adult and like kids couldn't attach to it, and you know he felt that he made a mistake with that movie, and you know like. Two movies later, and <laughs> <laughs> he's back at it again. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's it. Uh, definitely watch this film. Um, you know, be careful with kids watching it. And yeah, uh, let's hear about Spirited Away. All right. So, the making of Spirited Away, his next movie, was uh, it started in '97, I believe, and he was on, and he he thought of this idea while on vacation in the mountains with his family and like five young girls who came with their friends and their family. Um, Miyazaki realized that he hadn't created a film for 10 year old girls. And when I heard that, I thought, uh, what about Kiki, right? Like, that's like a 10 year old girl. Or my neighbor Totoro. Yeah, well, yeah, that's like, yeah. Yeah, that's that's probably about like six or seven, but. Oh. Yeah. I think he just has poor, poor, uh, me- m- memory. Um, <laughs> he, like, he doesn't remember. So. That's, that's fair. That's fair. So, uh, so on top of the young girls that were surrounding him at this time and his ideas of creating a, a movie for 10, 10 year old girls, he started reading shoujo manga for inspiration. Um, and shoujo is is basically uh, girls manga, like Sailor Moon and things like that. And and shonen is boys manga, so stuff like like My Hero or like Dragon Ball stuff like that. And so he started reading shoujo for inspiration, but he quickly realized that uh, that most of this stuff mainly focused on crushes and romances, and he 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 thought that you know this really wasn't that that the these these things weren't what weren't weren't what really were weren't <laughs> they weren't really what were written on on girls hearts like like their their true their their true like deep um wants right so so um anyway uh production on the film started in in 2001 with a 1.9 billion yen uh, budget or like 15 million US dollars and much like Mononoke uh, when you mentioned like uh, see uh, com- computer animation computer animation was also used in this film as well but um, you know he didn't really want to use too much like, like he, he wanted to use um, computer animation to enhance the movie not, not to take away from it which is pretty cool because, you know, I appreciate that he isn't too stubborn to like say, oh, I don't want to ever use this stuff. But, you know, like he will use it if he thinks that it will enhance his work, which I appreciate. And funny thing, uh, funny thing is, is that the day that we're recording this, that's the day that will mark the 18th anniversary of Spirited Away. Very cool. 
that was completely intentional. Uh, it's a millennial. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I guess so. Or is that like Gen Z? Is Gen Z after millennial or or is that? Like- I don't know. I think maybe it's still no. It's it's Gen Z probably. Because mm. I think it's two thousand, right? Is it two thousand or is it like I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, this movie has won tons of awards. Um, it's like it's or it, it is period the highest grossing Japanese film even to this very day, earning over 30.4 billion yen or 289 million US dollars at the box office. Let's go on to the plot of this movie, the a brief summary. So Chihiro is a scared young girl who who like moves into a new town with her mother and father. But before they get there, they decide to take a detour to an abandonment to abandon amusement park and her parents go snooping around and they're getting into things that they shouldn't they start eating food that's just lying there (laughs) and they turn into pigs through magic and this freaks Chihiro out so you know she like runs and and stuff and this is where she finds Haku who is this uh who's this like kind and wise spirit that helps her out throughout throughout several trials throughout this movie and throughout this movie, Chihiro encounters very strange characters like evil witches, giant babies, multi-armed bathhouse employees, ominous, <laughs> ominous expressionless spirits with mysterious motives. It's pretty. It's a pretty eclectic film. Uh, when I was watching this, I kept thinking, like, wow, this this movie's freaking great. Like, uh, it's probably one of my favorite all-time favorite movies. Um, but underneath it all, uh, it's a story about love and growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, this is great. Like it. Okay, so uh, so I mentioned back on our um, on our a town called Panic episode, and I mentioned that that if a movie can inspire me and and. And like get my creative juices flowing then it succeeds in my book and this movie definitely does that it's just like so eclectic and crazy and and when i was watching it there there were moments when when um i got this feeling that the movie was happening whether i was watching it (laughs) if that makes sense okay yeah yeah and that's cool. What I mean by that is that the movie didn't stop to exposit, you know, the plot, like what was happening. It felt natural to the story when characters would talk and like when certain actions would happen. And I like that when a spell was cast, they didn't always make a big deal about it. Like sometimes they would do it off screen or it wouldn't be very like flashy like you would think a spell would, and I thought that was mm. pretty neat. Um, it wasn't my, all like Sailor Moon right, kind of thing. Yeah. That's my first sort of thoughts. Uh, how about you? Um, this is by far one of my favorite and most watched Miyazaki films. I have it on DVD. I have it on DVD twice now, actually, and um, 
I don't think I could ever get tired of watching this film. Yeah. Every time I watch it, I'm just like, I'm just so pleased. Like, it's, um, every scene gives you something warm to, to like, hold on to. Like, you know, like you said, like, it it's gonna happen whether you watch it or not. Yeah, it's like the world is a living thing. It's, it's, uh, okay, so it's like the movie is just a window into this world and there's like, you know, these characters will be having adventures, you know, after the credits and, you know, they, they, you know, they live their lives and, you know, have all, all kinds of things. But, and I think that's pretty neat. That's, that, that, that's something to, um, cherish. And, um, the attention to detail in this movie, like the world building is, is, is fantastic. You know, just in this two hour movie, there's a, it, it's just so rich, so rich. It makes me think that like Miyazaki goes out and just has like life experiences that he brings into this movies because it's hard to give characters life unless you've lived certain aspects because there's so many different interactions between characters that just like have life. Yeah, like I think about the lizard scene, you know, like um when there's this grilled newt and um one of the like the characters are fighting over it like how is it that this newt this grilled delicious thing is so delicious that they have to fight over it and it's like bribery and that is probably one of the funniest things that you can see in any of these movies because of where did he get this from how did this come into fruition in the mind of Miyazaki and I, it makes me think that somewhere somewhere along the lines maybe there was somebody that fought for <laughs> fought for a newt yeah uh we actually like briefly touched on this in our first episode of month of miyazaki when he direct directed castle of Cag of cagliostro his first feature film he was like 40 and this was like 20 years later so he's like 60 so he has plenty of life experience so I guess it just comes with age, you know, wisdom and all that kind of good stuff. Creativity and keeping your mind open. Yeah, uh, I do have like a few like thoughts, um, a few questions too, but okay. I'm start with thoughts. So the parents are pretty dismissive, like like they felt kind of uh, they felt kind of like like uh, parents in horror movies when 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 their kid sees something and they're just like you know whatever go go kick rocks <laughs> <laughs> just turn on the light and it'll be okay and it, they felt irresponsible in, in some way to me um do you have any thoughts on them or i mean they acted like parents like they were apathetic towards jihiro's feelings about what was going on and that's like a lot of like what parents do is they will not listen to their children in certain aspects because they think that they know better we're terrible parents hmm. is that too mean I, okay if you're a parent listening uh i'm talking about the movie parents not you <laughs> not real life <laughs> um but uh right so this movie had the soot balls, like in um, Totoro, which is pretty neat. It's like a little Easter egg, I guess. 
which is interesting. So um, we we mentioned this, I think, last week with Kiki and Mary and the Witch's Flower. So is this movie and Totoro like the same world too? That would be dope. That would be cool. It would open up the world so much. You know, like we talk about like MCU, right? This is also MCU because it's Miyazaki Cinematic Universe. <laughs> Um, or it could be GBU. I don't know. Um, it just opens up the the world of creativity for so many possibilities. Mm-hmm. And I like. I just like. I want to see more. Totally. Um, okay. So this movie features like you know the trope, the power of love thing. You know where Haku and Chihiro, uh, they Chihiro awakens Haku's. memories of what he was and then like their love but it's it's not like like a romantic love like it's not what's it like uh eros uh romantic romantic love it's Mm. like uh platonic yeah platonic uh um mother motherly love kind of thing uh which one is that agape i don't know anyway it's like um like a non- romantic love but like a powerful love of how the river spirit haku uh like he protected or stopped chihiro from like drowning when she was young and even though uh when haku uh lost his memory he still had like some urge to protect her years later and that was pretty Mm. cool um but uh, i couldn't find the exact quote which is i'm surprised it was this hard to find but Miyazaki said said something like, "Lazy young girls are his favorite." Um, uh, I guess as characters, uh, because or or not as characters, but in real life, be, because you know deep down he knows that they have they have what it takes to um, persevere if need be, uh, which is an optimistic one of the very few optimistic things that Miyazaki. <laughs> to say (laughs) thank you miyazaki i appreciate that makes me feel not so bad about being lazy when i was a kid (laughs) Mm um all right so i listened to some of the dvd commentary and you said you have the uh have have that too right the dvd No, no it doesn't come with commentary well not not commentary but special features oh yeah actually my spirited away dvd does come with special features they gave him the most terrible Asian accent dub over. That was so, so stereotyped and, and like kind of racist. Did they? I didn't listen yeah. to it. <clears throat> yeah, it was basically like, oh, I am Miyazaki. I I come from Japan and I made this movie. Uh, uh, please, please watch this movie with me. It was like they didn't have to, have to do that. Didn't have to do that. That was <laughs> just gave him a regular voice. Maybe they couldn't find um, a different Japanese person no, it, to it, translate. No, it was definitely an Amer- some American guy doing a phony Japanese accent. You're kidding! <laughs> I promise. That's awful. Yeah. Now I have to go back and watch it. Yeah. But I do have a couple questions. All right, so. Um, so when Chihiro like first got to the spirit world and she saw that big building and like sh- like before she crossed 
the bridge and met Haku and met Haku for the first time. Um, Haku stopped Haku stopped her from crossing the bridge, and he told her to run. You know, be before night comes. And Haku blew something like like some like petals. Do you know? That yeah. What was、mm-hmm. that? It was magic. Yeah, like that. That was never explained. He just kind of did that, and nothing came of it. It was um the it was a spell. <laughs> yes,、yeah, so that's sort of an example of what I mean when the movie happens, whether you're watching or not. Like, like they don't stop to explain things. Right. So you can sort of imply things. Like you can use your imagination to fill in in the blanks, which is pretty cool. But but a few minutes later, Chihiro's legs are binded. Like why why did they become binded? Was it because she ate that thing or like that wasn't explained either? I think she was dying. Seriously? Yeah, because she's human in a spirit world. That's not really like acceptable, I guess. So I think in order to stay there, she had to become a part of the spirit world without dying. So the only way she could do that was eat spirit food. Spirit food. Okay, I'll accept that. Um, but this is something that I-, I wanted to mention for a few episodes, but I keep forgetting, and I kind of forgot this week too. But I'm, I'm going to mention it anyway.、Uh, Shintoism is a pretty big part in a, in a few of his works. Like it's featured in a few of his works, and、um, I'm just going to leave that there.、Uh, you can do your own research on on Shintoism. It's、You're not going to explain anything. I don't want to mess it up. Like it's pretty, it's really thorough. It's it's very rich.、Um, it's basically uh, like Shintoism means uh, uh, the way of God or something like that. And so, like Buddhism, but not in Japan.、Uh, there are no plurals. Like they don't like their there are no plurals for for things. So there are these things. Called like or or did this thing these things called kami, which is like、um, which is like a spirit or, or like spirits that inhabit all of nature,、um, and they and they're I, like see this is it, it's 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 weird because because there's like tra- translation problems because of because of the because of how.、Um, We in Western culture, right? Cause, like, because like, there's like, like certain things don't don't translate well. Like, like, um, do you know about、uh, the Tao, the Tao, in like Buddhism or or, or like or, or, or Taoism, right?、The、I mean,、Tao. I've heard of the I've heard of the concepts, but like theoretically, I've got no idea, and yeah, so, often just kind of disregard it. Right. So the Tao is basically okay. So if, so. If, If someone tries to explain the Tao to you, then they don't understand the Tao.、Uh, it's like words. Is it like the game? Like, is it the game? Like, if you talk about the game, you lose the game. No, it's more like words are limiting to what it is, and trying to explain it instantly means that that's not it. Does that make sense? I will do my research <laughs> and I will look into it, <laughs> and we can talk about it when I'm done my research. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So、um, there's that.、Uh, like something like 80% of people participate in Shintoism 
in Japan, but a small percentage of that 80 consider themselves Shintoists or yeah, sh 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 Shintoists.、Um, uh, people go to、uh, go to um, um, shrines and they like worship gods or, or worship nature or something. Like you know, like wish for like good fortune. I I think,、hmm. and they'll use them to like.、Uh, so so a principle of Shintoism is that is that all people are are inherently good, but it's not until evil spirits latch onto you that you become like evil. That that's a tenet of the the faith, the practice. Uh, it's、hmm. pretty interesting. Like I said,、uh, go do your own research.、Um, so, yeah, like the ring. The ring. Yep. Sure.、Uh, like the movie ring. Yeah, the ring. Like the movie, the ring. You、Lord、know, like. The rings. Yeah. That well, well, that too, really. I I guess right because the ring corrupts. I think. One one ring to rule them all. <laughs> no, just kidding. All right. Well, you guys have a wonderful week. We will talk to you next week. With Howl's Moving Castle, Panyo, and an extra little added bonus that we're adding in here,、um, just to kind of round up our list of Miyazaki films, is The Wind Rises. And please share us with your friends and family, as we would love to continue this podcast about your favorite animations. All of the information here is researched by Sarah and Garrison, and this podcast is produced and edited by Sarah Zadri. Special thanks to Joshua Phillips for the theme music. All while doing our research, we come across some amazing little videos and shots about the process of animation, and we will be happy to share this information with you on our site, www.podsaga.com. And if you have any questions about the animations we will be covering, please don't hesitate to ask. Thank you, and have a good day.